your hands and lift your voice to him and acknowledge that he is and he was who he said he is and was. And he did exactly what he said he would do. And he continues to do exactly what he said he would. Tonight, we're going to get right in the word right after we do the declaration and pray. It's good to be with you. Here we go. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Amen and amen. We give you praise, Father. Lord, you are good. Your word says, taste and see that you are good. And oh my, you are good. Lord, these moments are yours and not my own. And so I ask that I give them to you. And that we as a body would give them to you. And that we would allow your word to speak to us in power and authority and anointing. I pray you would anoint the words that I say. And I pray as I, I preach, I look for validation from no one but you. You are in control. You are on the throne. You are speaking. You're speaking loudly to us who are willing to open our ears, to sit down at your feet and listen. Let us listen. Let me listen. I exalt you. King of kings, father of the universe. Just take a moment, church, acknowledge him if you would. We bask in you. You may be seated if you can. First Kings chapter 13 is where we're going to center our focus tonight. We won't read the whole passage, but we will get into and read some of it word, word, word for word. But before we do that, just a little bit of a filler just to let you know what's happening before we read the word. We won't read it now. We'll read it in a little bit. But right before First Kings 13, we see this king named Jeroboam, who was the king of Israel at the time. And Jeroboam had directly disobeyed the commandments of the Lord. He was worshiping other gods, and he was making sacrifices to them and doing terrible, terrible things as king. He was an evil, terrible king. But in chapter 13, we see 
God speak to a man. And this man is told from God to go speak to Jeroboam. And we're not given this man's name. But this man went and he spoke to this king the word that God had given him to speak. And it was not a great message. It was a message of judgment. That he would be destroyed for his evil ways. And this king was evil. He was angry. And as he spoke, this king's anger was kindled. And the Bible says this king reached out, King Jeroboam reached out to seize this man of God. And when he did, his hand instantly was withered. So very quickly, his attitude changes. And he asked this man of God, will you pray so my hand may be healed? So this man of God prays and Jeroboam's hand was restored. After this happened... The king wants to invite Jeroboam over to his house. He says, I want to dine with you. I want to give you a gift. I want to give you a reward for what you've spoken and what you've done for me. But the man of God was on an assignment. And because he was on assignment, he rejected his invitation because the voice of God had clearly spoken to him and said and given him specific instructions. He said, When you go there to Bethel, don't eat, don't drink. And when you leave, don't go the way you came. Go home a different way. So the Bible says this man went on his way, and he was heading home going the opposite direction, and that's where we pick up. We're going to read quickly 1 Kings 13, verses 11 through 19. This is what it says. Now an old prophet lived in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words that he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, which way did he go? And his son showed him the way that the man of God, who came from Judah, had gone. And he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he mounted it. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I might not return with you or go in with you, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, it was said to me by the word of the Lord, You shall neither eat nor drink water there nor return by the way you came. And in verse 18, And he said to them, I am also a prophet as you are. And the angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you into your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate and drank bread. Ate and he he drank bread. That's incredible. It was a big thing in those days. With him. Huge thing. So, just in case you missed it, super quick update to where we're at. This man of God's going home. These sons of this old prophet come and tell him what happened. This old prophet wants to meet this man, so he goes and he finds him. He says, come to, come to my house, eat with me. The man says, no, I can't. You don't understand. God spoke this to me, and he said, do not. And then the old prophet says, but wait. I'm a prophet too. And an angel came to me and said, come and eat with me at my house. 
So the man of God, listen, and let's read what happened in verse 20 through 25. This is what happened to this man. And as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and not kept the command that the Lord your God commanded you, but you have come back and have eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your body shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. And after he had eaten bread and drunk, he saddled the donkey for the prophet whom he had brought back. And as he went his way, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his body was thrown in the road, and the donkey stood beside it. The lion also stood beside the body. And behold, men passed by, saw the body thrown on the road, and the lion standing by the body. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. What a tragic story. What a horrible story. A man given a mission from God himself, he goes and he does and completes so much of that mission, but on the way home, he fails to remain obedient. The mission started off so well, things were going good, and all of a sudden, things take a turn for the worse, and he does not complete the mission. Because completing the mission was not just going and speaking to Jeroboam. It was getting home and doing exactly what God had told him to do. The crazy thing was, everything was going so good. And then in verse 18, verse 18, a man spoke to him, deceived him, and told him, you don't understand, God spoke to me. And he told me to tell you this. He listened to the voice that was contrary to God's voice, the voice that had already spoken to him. And he accepted what this old man said is true, and he acted upon it. Tonight, I want to speak to you from a message entitled Voices. Voices. Man, there is a lot of noise out there a lot of noise a lot of voices speaking about so many things in this world we find ourselves in and it seems that everybody has something to say about everything people are quick to let you know what they think about these issues like COVID-19 and racism, political issues. They're quick to let you know. There's a lot of people talking about those things. There's a lot of noise surrounding those subjects and those issues that are real issues that we find ourselves in. You don't have to look hard. You don't have to open your ears wide to hear these voices. Turn on your TV. Go on YouTube. Go to Facebook. Go to Twitter. Voices everywhere speaking about everything. These things in, like TV, Facebook, and all these things, they exist because of us. They exist because we continue to consume the product that they put out. Because the truth is, we're human, and I'm included in this. I do like to know some things that people have to say about some things. 
I do care sometimes what so-and-so has to say about so-and-so. I'm not excluded from that. So what we do is we tune in and we listen to people give their opinions and talk about their opinions that are going on, the, about the issues going on in the world which we live in. How much, and I'm included in this, this is a message for me, just like I hope it is for you. How much of what we're consuming on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TV, whatever, is nothing more than noise? How much is, of it is nothing more than just noise? Worthless, pointless, counterproductive noise. And how much of what we're consuming directly contradicts what God is saying or what God has said? How much of it contradicts this word? And how much of it have you bought into? There's no doubt that there's a lot going on in our neighborhoods, communities, and homes. There's no doubt about it. The question is this. Have we or are we taking time to consult with God to hear what he has to say about these things or to get in his word and see what his word has to say about these things? Are we taking the time? Are you tuning out all this noise? Are you taking any time to tune out the noise and the voices and to tune in to what God is saying? Because I assure you, He's speaking. God is speaking. That's not the question. God is not silent in these desperate times. He is loud. He can be heard. That's not the question. The question is, are we listening? That is the question. God has addressed so many of these things we're worried about. God has already addressed them. They're right here. And I assure you, God wants to speak to you about those things that are troubling you. Those things that are troubling your soul. God wants to talk to you about it. But are you taking the time to listen? It is time, church, to open the Word of God, to open our spiritual ears and hear what the voice of God is saying to the church. It's time. Do we really believe the Word of God is what it says it is? We need to be tuning in. We need to be reading. We need to be soaking up the Word of God. And we would be if we believed that it was what it says it was. That it is inerrant. It has no flaws. It is perfect in His teaching. It is God-breathed. Man didn't write this book, God did. If we believe that, why would we not be consuming it? I just, I'm going to take a few minutes in this sermon just to get in the Word for a moment. Just several different scriptures quickly. And I want you to see what the Word has to say about itself and what that means for you. Just a few. There are more scriptures, but here are a few. I'm going to go through them pretty quickly. Psalm 119 has a lot to say. 
Verse 9 says this, How can a man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? Psalm 119.11, I have stored up my word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 130, The unfolding of your words gives light and it imparts understanding to the simple. How about 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What about Hebrews 4.12? For the word of God is living and active Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Colossians 3.16, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Where do you put the word of God? In you. Let it dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Isaiah 40 verse 8. The glass, grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. 2 Timothy 2, 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed. Rightly handling the word of truth. Some people aren't even handling it. John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in me and my word, you are my true disciples, and you will know the truth, and it will set you free. Is that enough? You want more? Well, that's too bad. you got to go find it for yourself. God's word and God's voice do not contradict each other. They do not. They work together. They work together. They go together like spam and eggs. And I don't, I don't like spam, but that's all I can think of. If you think God ever tells you something and it contradicts his word, you weren't hearing him at all. In the voice you hear audibly people speaking, if you hear voices and you hear what they say, or if you hear these voices inside your mind and your heart that are speaking, anything they say that goes against God's word is false. It's not true. So, what voices are you listening to? What do you sit down and consume? What are you consuming? When things happen, who do you consult with? Because it matters. Who you run to, what you go to, who you consult with, it matters. The voices you hear and take in are shaping the way you view the world around you.
whether you realize it or not. Let's talk about the voice of God for a minute. I love the Word of God. Anybody in here love the Word of God? But you know what I love about God? He didn't just give me His Word. He gave me His voice. He gave me His voice. Because what Jesus did on the cross, I'm able to talk to God the Father for myself. I'm able to sit at His feet and consult with Him for myself. He talks to me and I talk to Him. You must know the Word of God. You must know the voice of God. It is so important that you are able to discern the difference between your voice, Satan's voice, and God's voice. It is so important. John 10, 27 says this. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. The more time you spend with the shepherd, the easier it is to be able to know his voice. To be able to pick it up out of a crowd. To be able to discern it out of all the noise. The closer you get to that shepherd, the more familiar that voice gets, the easier it is to hear it above all the noise. And that only comes through reading and experiencing God's word and frequently setting at the Father's feet. Too many of us are, I was going to pick up my phone, I don't have it. Too many of us are frequently setting down at our phone's feet. And we're frequently setting down at our TV's feet. And we're consuming and we're hearing and we're hearing opinions and we're being affected by the way people live, the way they act, what they say. We're consuming all these things and to think those things don't affect you is ignorant because they do. They do. Are you taking time to set at the Father's feet? Are you taking time to tune out the noise and to let God speak to you? Because will He speak to you through His Word? Of course He will. Is His Word alive and active? Of course it is. But God the Father wants to have conversation with you. Prayer is not a one-way, Lord, help me, Lord, do this for me. Prayer is a two-way conversation. That's the way God intended it to be. Are you sitting at the Father's feet? Are you listening to the Father's voice? God's word and God's voice will never contradict each other. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Moving on. The voice of God and the word of God should be what shapes our perception of the world we live in. The word of God and the voice of God should be what shapes our perception of the world we live in. Another word for this perception of the way we view the world is called a worldview. Maybe you learned about your worldview in school. I took a whole class about your worldview and what shapes it. Shapes it. This is what the definition of a worldview is, just in case you didn't know. It's a standard by which an individual interprets all information and experiences to maintain a coherent understanding of the word of the world, excuse me, or reality. 
To put that simply, a worldview can be defined as the way you view everything about life and the world around you. Your worldview is rooted in what you believe. And what you believe is shaped by the voices that you're tuning into. It is shaped by the voices you're listening to. It's so important. I see the worldview like this. Your worldview, a good way to put it, these are glasses. This is the way I see the world. I normally wear contacts, but I'm as blind as a bat. If I don't have these on, I, I can't properly see. And the worldview, think about it. Your worldview is like a pair of glasses that you put on every day. And everybody's got a different one in some ways and somehow because of our experiences and what we consume. But we put these on every day. And it's how we consume. It's how we interact. It's, it's how we view the world we're living in. It's shaped by your worldview. We as Christians should have a gospel-centered worldview. That's what our worldview should be, a gospel-centered worldview. We are to perceive the world in light of the gospel. We are to perceive the world in the light of God's voice and God's word. Is your worldview gospel-centered, church? You need to ask yourself, is the way I view the world the way that God would have me view the world? Is it gospel-centered? Is it God-centered? We as believers, for us, it must be gospel-centered. We as believers must view the world we live in and interact with it through the lens that God places over our eyes. What lens do you wear? What lenses are you wearing? What is in your lens? What do you see when you encounter people who agree or don't agree with you? What do you see? What do you see when you hear other people's opinions and form your own opinions? What are you hearing? What, for, through what do you hear? Through what do you see? Through what do you see these issues going on in our world and in our community around us? And when you hear people's solutions to problems, because people want to offer a solution, right? When you hear solutions, are they solutions that God would give? And when you try to come up with solutions, are they solutions that God would place upon the situation? Has your lens been placed there by God, or has it been polluted by the voices and the noise of people in this world? It's a question we all need to ask ourselves. And if, me included, if I were to, and I have, but if I were to sit down and, and say, I want to examine the way I view the world, the way I view the world when someone cuts me off in traffic, the way I view the world when somebody says they think abortion is okay, I want to see and hear and interact with people in situations the way that God would. Not the way I want to, not the way my flesh wants to, but the way that Jesus would, in the way that Jesus did. And I know I'm not there, but I desire so bad to get there because I encounter people who are messed up and broken, who disagree with me all the time. I hear people talk 
on the news that disagree with me all the time. And my flesh wants to get so mad and so angry. But I have to ask God, God, let me see what you see. Let me see that people are deceived, that we're living in a lost and dying world. But let me also see that our world is not hopeless. There is hope. And hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Let not my lenses be clouded by despair and fear, but let me see wide open with my eyes the hope that is Jesus, that he's coming soon, that people are dying and going to hell outside these four walls, and so many people aren't saying anything about it. Let me see them how you see them, and not how my flesh wants to see them. Let me see with your eyes, oh God. Let me see. Do you want to see? If you want to find somebody to agree with about everything or to agree with you about everything. You don't have to look very hard. You don't. And it feels good when someone agrees with you or you can agree with someone. You like that, right? I like that. I do. Because it validates me. It validates my opinion. Whose validation are we looking for, church? Whose validation do we need? I want His. I want His. Because I'm not going to stand before God with you at my side. And you're not going to be standing there talking about how great I was. And I'm not going to be standing there talking about how great you were. It's just going to be me and Him. And I ask God to help me. To see what he sees, to live how he lives, and to seek no one's approval but his, and need no validation from no one but him, even if I have my own opinion that comes through the word of God and it contradicts everybody I come in contact with, but it's God's word and it's truth, let it not affect me. But let me stand on your word and stand on your truth. That is my prayer. It's time we stop running to people, to news outlets, to Facebook, to friends. It's time to start running to God the Father. Why would you trust what someone else is saying about what God has to say? Why would you trust them? When God wants to speak to you for himself. God wants to talk to you yourself. God wants you to read the word for yourself. To stop relying on what a man has to say about his word. Stop relying on a man to tell you what God's speaking in these days and in this age. It's time to look to God yourself. Look to Him for yourself. And this includes me. This includes preachers. 
This includes prophets. It includes me. You don't need me to tell you what God's speaking. Because if you're after him, if you're in pursuit of him, if you're sitting at his feet, if you're in his word, he will tell you for yourself. You don't need a prophet to tell you what your future is. God wants to tell you what he has in store for you for yourself. So many people come when we have a prophet come and they just want somebody to speak over them. They so desire it, and I get that. I do. But I just want you to know, when God speaks through a prophet to a man, this is not going to be some newfound word that God's never spoken to you. When God speaks through a prophet, it will confirm what God has already spoken to you. That's where this man in 1 Kings 13 messed up. He trusted some old prophet who God hadn't spoke to in a long time to tell him what his destiny was, to tell him what he was supposed to do. When God already spoke to him for himself, and when he went and done what God said, look what happened. Look what happened. How many people have been led astray by a so-called prophet coming up and saying, I have a prophecy for you, and God never spoke that over them, wasn't dealing with them over that, and so they've held on to these words for years, and they're still waiting on it to happen, but God never spoke it. That wasn't God's voice at all. How many people have been led astray by that? I just, before I wrap the sermon up, I just want to use my life for an example of the voice of God when God speaks and you hold on to it in valuing his voice over every voice. One of these things I might get in a little trouble for, but we'll go ahead and talk about it. I'll never forget when I was getting my license to uh, be an uh, exhorter in the church of God, and they always interview you, and I remember guys talking about these interviews and some of the questions that they ask before you or after you're tested, either way. And one of the questions that they would pose is this. If, and I didn't get this question, thank God. But the question was this. If the state bishop of the Church of God in Missouri was to call you and to say, I believe God is telling me that you need to come take this church, what would you do? Would you submit to the man of God who has authority over you? Or what would you do? And I thought about that question for a long time. I really did. I, I thought, man, what a question. What a question to be asked. And, and I couldn't help but come to the opinion that there's no way that I would trust a man to tell me what God can tell me for himself. And then if a man calls me, God's already been dealing with me about it. I don't need anybody to tell me what God has to say about me because we have a relationship. He speaks to me for himself. I also want to use one more example in my life. I want my wife and my son to come up here. This is our baby boy, Owen. He is nine weeks old today, or yesterday.
Me and God are pretty tight. And June, or excuse me, July 13th, 2018. It's my wife's birthday. And she's out of town for a work trip. And I am wrapping up getting her birthday gift together because I, I got to procrastinate, right? I, I didn't have to give it to her till late that night. She wasn't getting back till late that night. God spoke to me clearly. He said, it's time. It's time, son. It's time to start trying to have a baby. So I listened. So I go to Walmart. My glasses are fogging up. I need new lenses. I go to Walmart. I buy some pacifiers. I put it in her gift. She freaks out because we've been talking about having kids for a while, and I just, I just didn't feel like it was time. And then God spoke to me and said, so we did. Well, months go by, and months go by. Tough months. I know people have had it harder than we did, but hard months, questioning God, saying, God, you, you spoke this to me. Why not? Why not yet? And I remember I was getting frustrated. I was. And I was in prayer one morning, and God reassured me with his own voice, I will fulfill what I promised you. You will have a child. He didn't tell me it was going to be a son. You will have a child. Trust me. Don't worry. Months go by. Hard months. Still. Thinking you're pregnant. Thinking I'm not, you know, thinking she's pregnant. <laughs> but not being pregnant. And all one day, second week into deer season, I already killed my deer. It was, that part was over. I took a kid hunting that morning, and they, they killed a deer, thankfully. And I got home, and my wife has four pregnancy tests laying on our, <laughs> this is disgusting, on our dresser. And they all say positive. And we rejoice. And I stand here before you with a little man that God promised me. No man promised me, God did. And you could have came and you could have told me, I could have went to the doctor and he said, you can't have kids, it's not going to happen. I couldn't and I shouldn't have trusted them. We should trust the voice of God because I stand here today as this boy being a testament to our God's faithfulness and his goodness and that he wants to speak to his children about the things that burden them, the things they desire and the things they dream about. God cares about those things. Trust the voice of God. Trust the voice of God because I assure you there were many days and many times and many feelings where the voices of the enemy and the voices of my own would tell me that this wasn't going to happen and it did. And we stand here and we praise God for his goodness and his love. Love you, babe. God wants to speak to you through his word. He wants to speak to you through his voice. And he wants it to be the voice that you trust. He wants to be the one that you trust. He wants to be the one 
that you build your life on. And he wants to be the one who determines how you live your life, how you view this world, and how you interact with people. Let God be the one. Let God be the one. In closing, Hebrews 4.12, I want to read that again. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts. I want you to pay attention to that. Discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. If you're never, if you're ever, excuse me, if when you're reading the word, it never steps on your toes, you're not reading it right. It will pick you apart. It will show you your faults. It will show you where you fall short. Men and women who say they're men and women of God have avoided certain passages of scripture because they don't like what it has to say. Because it goes against what they believe or how they live. It's all his word. It's all his. When you read, let it pick you apart. Open yourself up to it. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says this. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. I love, it's so important when you read the word, don't just pay attention, I say this to my kids, to what it says. Pay attention to what it doesn't say. And I love how in 1 Kings 13, it doesn't put a name to this man of God and it doesn't put a name to this old prophet. And when I see that, when names aren't mentioned, a lot of times what I believe God is trying to do is say, you can put your name right here. See if that's you. Examine yourself and see if you fit who this person is and see if you're living right. Let it examine you. So in this story, what I feel led to do just in this time of response is to let God examine you let him examine you let him examine the way you're living your life the way you view the world let him examine that let him find those grievous things in you that were placed there not by him but by the voice of a man or the voice of the enemy or an opinion or belief that contradicts his God wants to open you up do surgery on you and examine you if you'll let him. Are you hearing the voice of God and echoing what he says? Are you doing that? Are you being led astray by voices that contradict God's voice? Like the man in the story. Or are you leading others astray by what you're doing, saying, or speaking to them? Or are you doing what God asks you to do as you hear his voice. Would you stand with me tonight?